The Ghosts of Kragalnak by Anonymous. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Light Crystal. The Ghosts of Kragalnak by Anonymous. Two celebrated ghosts existed once on a time in the wilds of Kragalnak, a romantic place in the district of Strathdown, Banffshire. The one was a male and the other a female. The male was called Bohuna Ma'a Ben Banak, after one of the mountains of Glanavon, where at one time he resided, and the female was called Klashnisht Alnak, from her having had her abode in Krag Alnak. But although the great ghost of Ben Bainak was bound by the common ties of nature and of honour to protect and cherish his weaker companion, Klashnisht Alnak, yet he often treated her in the most cruel and unfeeling manner in the dead of night when the surrounding hamlets were buried in deep repose, and when nothing else disturbed the solemn stillness of the midnight scene, oft would the shrill shrieks of poor Klashnisht burst upon the slumberer's ears, and awake him to anything but pleasant reflections. But of all those who were incommoded by the noisy and unseemly quarrels of these two ghosts, James Ara or Grey, the tenant of the farm of Balbig of Delnabo was the greatest sufferer from the proximity of his abode to their haunts. It was the misfortune of himself and family to be the nightly audience of clash niche cries and lamentations, which they considered anything but agreeable entertainment. One day, as James Gray was on his rounds looking after his sheep, he happened to fall in with clash niche the ghost of Arnak, with whom he entered into a long conversation. In the course of it, he took occasion to remonstrate with her on the very disagreeable disturbance she caused himself and family by her wild and unearthly cries, cries which, he said, few mortals could relish in the dreary hours of midnight. Poor Klashnicht, by way of apology for her conduct, gave James Gray a sad account of her usage detailing at full length the series of cruelties committed upon her by Ben Bainak. From this account, it appeared that her living with the latter was by no means a matter of choice with Klashnich. On the contrary, it seemed that she had, for a long time, lived apart with much comfort, residing in a snug dwelling, as already mentioned, in the wilds of Krag al -Nuk. But Ben Bainak, having unfortunately taken into his head to pay her a visit, took a fancy not to herself, but to a dwelling, of which, in his own name and authority, he took immediate possession, and soon after he expelled poor Klashnicht, with many stripes, from a natural inheritance, not satisfied with invading and depriving her of her just rights, he was in the habit of following her into a private haunts, not with the view of offering her any endearments, but for the purpose of inflicting on her person every torment which his brain could invent. 
Such a moving relation could not fail to affect the generous heart of James Gray, who determined from that moment to risk life and limb in order to vindicate the rights and avenge the wrongs of Port Glasnitch, the ghost of Craig Alnack. He therefore took good care to interrogate his new protege, touching the nature of a oppressor's constitution, whether he was of that killable species of ghost that could be shot with a silver sixpence, or if there was any other weapon that could possibly accomplish his annihilation, Klashnitsch informed him that she had occasion to know that Ben by Nack was wholly invulnerable to all the weapons of man, with the exception of a large mole on his left breast, which was no doubt penetrable by silver or steel, but that, from the specimens she had of his personal prowess and strength, it were vain for mere man to attempt to combat him, confiding, however, in his expertness as an archer, for he was allowed to be the best marksman of the age. James Gray told Klatchnitsch he did not fear him with all his might, that he was a man, and desired her, moreover, next time the ghost chose to repeat his incivilities to her, to apply to him, James Gray, for redress. It was not a long year he had an opportunity of fulfilling his promises, Ben Baynack, having one night, in the want of better amusement, entertained himself by inflicting an inhuman castigation on Klashnitsch. She lost no time in waiting on James Gray with a full and particular account of it. She found him smoking his cutty, for it was night when she came to him. But notwithstanding the inconvenience of the hour, James needed no great persuasion to induce him to proceed directly along with Klashnitsch to hold a communing with their friend, Ben Bynack, the great ghost. Klashnitsch was stout and sturdy, and understood the knack of travelling much better than our women do. She expressed a wish that, for the sake of expedition, James Gray would suffer her to bear him along, a motion to which the latter agreed, and a few minutes brought them close to the scene of Baybanak's residence. As they approached his haunt, he came forth to meet them, with looks and gestures which did not at all indicate a cordial welcome. It was a fine moonlight night, and they could easily observe his actions. Poor Klashnitsch was now sorely afraid of the great ghost. Apprehending instant destruction from his fury, she exclaimed to James Gray that they would be both dead people, and that immediately, unless James Gray hit with an arrow to the mole which covered Ben Baynack's heart. This was not so difficult a task as James had hitherto apprehended it. The mole was as large as a common bonnet, and yet no wise disproportioned to the natural size of the ghost's body, for he certainly was a great and a mighty ghost. Ben Baynack cried out to James Gray that he would soon make eagles meet of him, and certain it is, such was his intention. Had not the shepherd so effectually stopped him from the execution of it, raising his bow to his eye when within a few yards of Ben by Nack, he took deliberate aim. The arrow flew. It hit. A yell from Ben by Nack announced the result. A hideous howl re-echoed from the surrounding mountains, responsive to the groans of a thousand ghosts and Ben by Nack, by the smoke of a shot, vanished into air. Klashnitsch, the ghost of Alnack, 
now found herself emancipated from the most abject state of slavery and restored to freedom and liberty through the invincible courage of James Gray, overpowered with gratitude, she fell at his feet and vowed to devote the whole of her time and talents towards his service and prosperity. Meanwhile, being anxious to have her remaining goods and furniture removed to her former dwelling, she had been so iniquitously expelled by Ben Bynack, the great ghost. She requested of her new master the use of his horses to remove them, James observing on the adjacent hill a flock of deer, and wishing to have a trial of his new servant's sagacity or expertness, told her those were his horses. She was welcome to the use of them, desiring that when she had done with them, she would enclose them in his stable. Clashnitch then proceeded to make use of the horses, and James Gray returned home to enjoy his night's rest. Scarce had he reached his armchair and reclined his cheek on his hand to ruminate over the bold adventure of the night when Clashnitch entered with her breath in her throat and venting the bitterest complaints of the unruliness of his horses which had broken one half of her furniture and caused her more trouble in the stabling of them than her services were worth. Oh, they are stabled then? inquired James Gray. Clashnitch replied in the affirmative. Very well, rejoined James. They shall be tame enough tomorrow. From this specimen of Clashnitch, the ghost of Crag Alnax Expertus, it will be seen what a valuable acquisition her service proved to James Gray and his young family. They were, however, speedily deprived of her assistance by a most unfortunate accident. From the sequel of the story, from which the foregoing is an extract, it appears that poor Clashnitch was deeply addicted to propensities which, at that time, rendered her kin so obnoxious to their human neighbours. She was constantly in the habit of visiting her friends much oftener then she was invited, and, in the course of such visits, was never very scrupulous in making free with any eatables which fell within the circle of her observation. One day, while engaged on a foraging expedition of this description, she happened to enter the mill of Dennebo, which was inhabited in those days by the miller's family. She found his wife engaged in roasting a large gridiron of fine savoury fish, the agreeable smell proceeding from which perhaps occasioned her visit. With the usual inquiries after the health of the miller and his family, Klashnitch proceeded with the greatest familiarity and good humour to make herself comfortable at their expense, but the miller's wife, enraged at the loss of her fish and not relishing such unwelcome familiarity, punished the unfortunate Klashnitch rather too severely for her freedom it happened that there was at the time a large cauldron of boiling water suspended over the fire, and this cauldron the enraged wife overturned in Klashnitch's bosom. Scolded beyond recovery, she fled up the wild to Crag Alnuk, uttering the most melancholy lamentations, nor has she been ever heard of since. End of The Ghosts of Crag Alnuk.